Amen. Brad, come on up here. You know, um, we love Mission of Hope. Mission of Hope is is based in Haiti, but now they're they're reaching out to where, wherever Haitians are going. I'm going to let Brad tell you more about that. But Otis Garrison is uh, the vice president of Mission. I don't know what he is, but Otis yeah. Otis usually comes and hangs out with us at, when we have our food packing event. We love Otis. But he called me and said, hey, I've got a chance to be at another church, and, and because I, I know you guys understand what it is, would you mind if Brad came? And I was like, you kidding me? The big kahuna? The, the big cheese? I'd love to have Brad. No, I love this guy's heart. Um, uh, it was 1998. Is that right when you? That's right, 98. Yeah, um, where, where Mission of Hope was started. Many of you have actually been in Haiti and been a part and, and seen what God's doing. And now you're going to hear more about what the Lord's doing and going to continue to do. But I love this guy's heart. His heart is the gospel. His heart is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And his heart is the local church. Everything Mission of Hope does, they funnel through that local church, and that's our heart as well, church. So that's why Mission of Hope is one of our strategic missions partners. So glad to have Brad here today. Brad, let him have it. Can we welcome Brad to come share today? Thank you, brother. All right. Well, it is, it's good to be back. Uh, I'm from Indiana. I'm from the southern part of Indiana, just south of Indy. Um, I, would, I would prefer to be back maybe when it was a little warmer. Um, I, I've been, I came straight from Haiti, um, so there was a quite a, a temperature difference coming in uh, and then going through the snow, but it's good to be back in Indiana. Um, I, I just want to say thank you. Uh, just coming out of Haiti, um, it's been a tough four years. Uh, many of you that have traveled with us to Haiti know you haven't been able to go. It started with political upheaval, and the political upheaval really hasn't stopped, and then COVID happened, and then the assassination of the president of Haiti, and then we had an earthquake in August in Haiti again that devastated the South. Over 86 schools and churches fell during that earthquake. It just seems like so many things are going against Haiti, but I want to start today by telling you what God's doing in Haiti, because in spite of all the things that you heard and how discouraging it can be, this has been our greatest year of ministry ever in the country of Haiti, Amen. And it's not because the Americans were in, it's because we have 400 full-time Haitian staff that are there, and they're getting it done every day. So I want to celebrate with you for a few minutes here in the front end of this, and then we'll get to the word of what God has done. First, this past year, God has used Mission of Hope to impact 675,507 lives throughout the country of Haiti. That's incredible. There's 12 million people in Haiti. So God has used Mission of Hope to impact so many. Let me break it down a little bit for you. Church advancement. As Pastor said, we love the church. The church is why we're there. 145,000 people over that were impacted through our church advancement. That's through training pastors, serving alongside the local church. All of our medical that we do is done through the local churches. So we do that in conjunction with the local church, and we've seen God do amazing things. Also, nutrition. You all are packing meals. This gives it in, in millions, but the actual number is 121,000 meals a day that are going out to kids all throughout Haiti. And that's because of our partner that you all partner with too, Convoy of Hope. We work together. It comes up to 41 million meals that we've been able to distribute this past year. The reason we do that is because many of those kids are in the church. And what we see is that when we give the children the meals, they go to school more. Their parents send them to school more, and those schools are 
controlled by the church of Haiti, and the churches grow. I'll never forget one pastor came to me and he said, oh, Pastor Brad, I have a huge problem. I'm like, oh, what's going on? He goes, there's too many people in my church we have to build. And it was because they had food that the kids came and he was able to minister to the parents. The next is education. We have over 13,000 kids, 13,641 to be exact, that are in our schools. Uh, that's an amazing number. That's 13,641 kids that God's giving us the ability to impact daily. Now, since many of you were there, last time we opened our technical school. Our technical school has HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and welding. It also has diesel mechanics, and it also has IT with Cisco Labs. In a country of 80% unemployment, our kids are graduating, and over 80% of them are getting jobs. That's, it's amazing. We never projected that would even be possible. But what our vision was from the very beginning is to take kids, give them the ability to get jobs of influence, and we knew if we could get educated kids that love Jesus in places of influence, we could see a nation change. Today it's happening with our kids that are going through the technical school. So we're really excited about that. And just a real quick thing, if you haven't ever sponsored a child, uh, we have back in the back, I always say we have children, we don't really have children, we have profiles of children in the back. Uh, everybody else say, where are the kids? Well, sorry, I meant profiles. But like this little girl, Sasone, she was born December 12th. Um, she's in fourth grade, and she wants to be a nurse. It's $35 a month. This ensures not just do we pack a meal, but it ensures that they actually get a meal every day and a great education that's changed their life. So that's in the back. If God puts that on your heart, that's awesome. Medical. 23,517 people were seen last year medically. That's anywhere from prosthetics lab. I was just in the prosthetics a few days ago, and they had a man in there that had lost his leg during the earthquake, and our prosthetist was building him a, a limb, and he's going to get to walk again. That's, I mean, miraculous things are happening through the medical side. And then lastly is disaster relief. This one is, is one that... I, Twice now, the United States government's asked us to write a white paper on how Mission of Hope is so effective. And so this past year, 341,707 people were impacted through disaster relief because of the, the earthquake that happened in Haiti. The reason we can be effective is not Mission Hope. The reason we can be effective is because we know pastors that are all over Haiti. And all we do is go to the U.S. government and say, if you drop this food by helicopter in this area, Pastor John will be there to pick it up. And Pastor John's there and he picks it up and he takes it to people and he serves and his church grows through that. And then they go to the next spot, but they can't figure that out. But it's, it's the Lord. It's, the, it's what Jesus said as a plan that upon the rock he would build it. And so he's built this church that's the network throughout, not just Haiti, but all over that map. There's God's idea in every little place, and it's just a matter of bringing them together. So we've seen God do amazing things in this last year. So I want to start by saying thank you. Thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for giving. Thank you for packing meals. Haiti's still, uh, when we were singing today, just about the Lord really moving and shaking the mountains. Haiti needs that. Haiti needs a move. And we believe that it's these kids that were growing up and raising up the generation. Uh, and I, I talked to the staff on uh, Friday morning before I flew out and just said, hey, would you have thought 20 years ago that there would be kids that, are, that were, were not even, they didn't have a chance of education. Now they're in a world-class education. 
they're playing on a soccer field at PE that's a turf field and they've got a computer lab to go to and they have a possibility to get a job, an 80% possibility. They never would have thought that, but God, God's doing that. So thank you for being a part of that. Today I wanna to start with asking you a real simple question. And, and I, I come out of Haiti with a 400 staff that is, I would take them anywhere in the world. God has built a great team in Haiti. And I, I don't know if Josh is in here, but Josh is out back, and he came with us today. He works with Mission of Hope. He's an executive for us. He looks like, uh, if, I'm going to show how old I am, Pastor, but if you remember the power team, um, he looks like he used to be a power team because he's a big boy, but um, he's out there. He's a part of our team here in the States. God has put just a great team together for Mission of Hope. And I was, I was coming in, I was thinking, what are, what are the best teams that you can think of? When I say, like, a great team, who comes to mind? For me, um, unfortunately, the, the Bulls come to mind uh, when, the, when Jordan was there. I mean, that was a great run for sure. Um, I, I think of the Indiana basketball team, especially the undefeated team. Uh, I think that was 76. And then we had 81. I won't go through all the championships I used had. But, um, but there's been a lot. Um, and... You know, you think of those winning teams, think of John Wooden in the UCLA era where they just, they kept winning. And then basically any year with Alabama and Nick Saban, they win, unfortunately. Uh, but great winning teams. And the one thing that I know about great winning teams is if you've ever been on one or you've ever seen one, they walk with an, just kind of an expect, expectancy to win. There's a little bit of a swagger that they have when they walk in. I remember playing basketball in southern Indiana and, you know, this was, again, dating myself, before they had class basketball in Indiana. So we, we were a, a 1A now today playing against the big schools. And so even to make it to, like, the sectional finals, only one team had ever done that when I played from our schools. I mean, just, you just didn't make it that far because you're playing big schools. And you'd go out and you'd play these teams, and they'd walk into the gym, and they just walked in like, yeah, we are that team. And you knew when they walked into the gym. And I, my senior year, I remember we, we won five games, but we made it to the sectional finals. You would have thought like we won the state championship because we played, we got beat by 20, by the way, um, in the sectional finals. But it didn't matter because we made it to the finals. Only one other team have done it. But yet we got beat so bad all the time, we didn't walk in with that expectancy to win. But then I went to college. And I went to college at Huntington University, and I was, in, I was a track guy, so I was a thrower. And I, I came out of high school thinking I was something. And I got to college, and I realized really fast that there was two national champions that were ahead of me. And they let me know really quick, hey, you're going to carry our shot put in discus. And, <laughs> and we don't care what you did in high school. This is college, buddy, because we have a tradition here that we win. And so I watched them for two years, and they won. And they showed me how they won. And I went into the weight room and I watched how hard they lifted and I trained with them to the point where they graduated. Guess what happened to me? I started to walk with that air because I knew they had showed me how to win. I knew the work I had to do. I knew that if I put the work in and I went after it, I wasn't going to lose. By my senior year, I was a national champion. But it happened because I was on a part of a great team and everybody worked hard I just think it's amazing when you see that team. But when I think of the greatest team ever, the one that's like the most undefeated team, it's the church. Think about that for just a second. Think about the body of Christ 
and what God has done with our team. We sang about it some this morning, but if you look through the scriptures, I think we need to start walking with an expectancy to understand the legacy that we come from. We don't just come from a team that wins every now and then. We come from a team that gets it done. When you look through the scriptures, if you go to Hebrews 11, we're not going to go there, but look at Noah. God says build an ark. Noah builds an ark. It's never rained. He builds an ark. It rains and he saves his family. That's amazing. But then you go on and you look at Abraham, the story of Abraham. I could go through all the Old Testament here. But Abraham, so many times he prayed for a son. He gets a son. Then God says, sacrifice your son. He goes to sacrifice his son. What's God do? He sends a ram up. Abraham wins again because our God is there and he sees that with faith we win. We have to start walking with an expectancy of the legacy that we've been given. You look at the Old Testament still, and Moses, I mean, we're taught, we sang about this. He, he walks up to the Red Sea with an expectancy and says, part, and it parts. That's our God. Our God does that. That's the legacy that we've inherited. When you go to what I call Hebrews 11.2, which is the New Testament, now you get into Paul. He was killing Christians. Jesus knocks him off the horse, and then he becomes Paul that we know when he was Saul, now he's Paul, and he becomes a great leader. That happened through the power of Christ that changed the church, that changed the trajectory. Today, we are a part of them. They made a difference, and they changed the world because of what they did. I I say all that to say, you know, what about today? Does it still happen today? Well, you look at people like Mother Teresa, Billy Graham. For me, some people that I knew were the Buntains in India. These are people that were great, faithful people that went out and proclaimed Christ. But then you even look at the man that shared Christ with Billy Graham and his faithfulness and how he propelled a legacy that he never knew he was gonna do, but it was just one simple act of sharing the gospel. Today, we have to begin to walk in that. So today, if you would open your your Bibles, as you open it, we're going to Hebrews 12. As you open that, I believe that we are living in a time that we have to recognize our lineage. I was blessed to be born into a Christian family. I was blessed to hear the stories of what God had done through my grandfathers as they were ministers and the miracles that happened. And those things propel us into confidence. But so many times when I talk to people in the church today, and myself, I look at a country, I look at these countries, and I go, man, can God reach them? Why would I ask, can he? Because he's done it. He's done it time and time again. I forget what he's done, and that today, that's us. So let me go into the scripture. I gotta hurry here. This is what it says in 12. It says, therefore, anytime you know, that you see therefore, you look back. Why is it therefore? It's therefore is the, the, the chapter 11, the faith chapter. So we've already talked about those guys. So therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, I love this imagery, again, being an Indiana basketball guy. Um, we're, I, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but Indiana's special when it comes to basketball. Like I've been, I live in Texas now. They have football, I will give them that. But you go to a basketball game and their gym is tiny. And there's not very many people. Indiana, I remember that standing in the tunnel in a town of 2,000 with 2,000 people in the stadium. 
and that packed stadium and running out there and the electricity to get on the floor. I felt like I probably jumped a foot higher when I went out on the floor just because you, you felt the, the people around you. The imagery here is there's this stadium of people. Therefore, since we're surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses, the people that have already fought, the people that have already lived for Christ, now they're gone. They're off the field. They can't play anymore. This, and this is this scripture, it says the word let us. When I read this, it jumped at me more powerfully than it ever has. I'd never noticed it. It says it three times. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us and let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I believe, church, it's time for us as a church to embrace the let us. You see, I believe what this is saying is now the ball's in our hand. It's our turn. We're on the field. This is our generation that God's giving us to now reach. He's put you where you are for this season. It's our time. Let us get into the game. Today I want to talk to you about three things that I believe are the three keys to creating a kingdom legacy. Three keys that will create a kingdom legacy, and they're driven from that. But first, I want us to understand that I believe just as my grandfather passed to me, it's my responsibility to pass to my kids a kingdom legacy. And so I pray that my kids, and as I pass it on, that they're watching me run after Jesus. So as we look at the kingdom legacy, here's the three things. The first thing is what it says. It says, throw off the sin and what hinders you. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. We know the sin that gets us. It's probably not the sin that's next to your neighbor. It's probably very unique to you. Satan knows what will get you. He knows what you're tempted by. And as I heard one pastor say, he's a great fisherman. He's going to bait that hook and throw it right in front of you because he knows what your weakness is. But that's the, to me, that's the one we probably know. But what slapped me in the face was when it said, what hinders? If you read that, that is not sin. It says, what hinders you and the sin that so easily entangles? I have a question. What hinders you from running after the kingdom? What is it that gets in your way from you playing on that field? For me, I could list a, a whole list of things. I mean, there's a lot of things that aren't sin, but they just take away from my Jesus time. They're not sin, but it just diverts me from what God would really want me to do if I said, Jesus, should I do that or this? He would say this, but I still do that. If we can get this where we go, okay, the imagery here is not just set it aside, choose not to, it's throw. It's a violent, throw it off, get it out of there. If we could answer one question, what is it, Jesus, that hinders me? What gets in my way? What just blocks me from that full access to what you really have for me? If we can throw that away and focus, God's going to do amazing things, and through you is going to build an incredible legacy. Number two, it says, let us run the race that's marked out for us 
with perseverance. I love this. So many times, especially early in life, and even today, I compare myself to somebody else. I see somebody that, man, they're, they're all over the globe. They're doing crazy things for Jesus. Or they got the nicest car. Or they got the better house. Or whatever, you name it. I do this comparison thing. This says, run the race that's marked out for you. See, Jesus marks a race for you. He chose where you would be born. Acts 17 says he chose where we'd be born in the time frame we'd be born in. Jeremiah 1.5 says he he knew you in your mother's womb. He formed you, the gifts that you have, the way you were born, the way you were looked, the what you did in school, what you do for work. That's not a mistake. That's God's forming of you. And then he says, let us run the race with perseverance that's marked out for us. You know, there's a scripture, 1 Corinthians 9, 6. It says, therefore, don't run like a man running aimlessly. Don't fight like a man beating the air. Have you ever seen somebody box, shadow box? I had, when I I read this the first time, don't run like a man running aimlessly. I don't know if anybody of you are friends watchers. Um, But to show you how old I am, when I first moved to Haiti, my mom would tape friends on a VHS tape and send us the tape so we could watch Friends and IU basketball. But um, I, I thought of this running aimlessly of this clip we're gonna see right here. Come on, let's run, running, let's go! <laughs> that's Phoebe, if you don't know, and that's Phoebe running aimlessly. Sometimes in life, that's how I feel like I've been. I've been running after things that, man, they just, at the end, they didn't really have an end. I was just running kind of aimlessly. I was boxing against something that really wasn't even there. I was just shadow boxing instead of being intentional and going, okay, God, what's my race? And I believe that's why Jesus said we pick up our cross daily because it's a daily race. I think that chart, the, the course gets charted differently every day. You can go into Starbucks one day and it's just buy a coffee. The next day, Jesus says, buy a coffee for that person to have a conversation. What are we gonna do with that? We've got to run our race with perseverance. The third thing is this, and this I think is the how. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. So how do we run the race? How do we throw off the things that hinder? How do we run that race with perseverance? It's on a fixing. It's every day we wake up, we fix our eyes on Jesus. This is what I love, what this says. Not just fix your eyes on Jesus, but what is he? He's the author and the perfecter, or what another translation says, the finisher. When he died on the cross and he said, it is finished. Guys, we won. The war was fought and won right there. That's why when we pray in the name of Jesus, it has so much power, because it's finished. We're winners. The legacy was started and finished right there. We gotta live in the legacy, not try to fight for it. Because it's already there. And so, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter or finisher of our faith, we have to daily do that. Now, here's the, here's the thing that I find hard for me, is I believe there's a lot of times where there's godly detours. Have you ever had a godly detour? It's that thing where you're like, okay, I'm running my race. Here's where I'm going. You think you're doing it right, and then all of a sudden, right turn. You didn't want to make the right turn. 
But God said, you're making the right turn. Maybe it was through sickness. Maybe it was through a job change. I'll never forget flying down to Haiti after the first earthquake. This is 2010. Man, I had a good plan. We were, we were leaving um, from Kansas City. I flew out and going to get to Miami. I had a guy meet me there from a church in Florida. He was going to give me a satellite phone because all the phones were down. I met him. I ran to my plane. I was going to the Santiago Dominican Republic where there was a military, military helicopter that was going to fly me over to Titan where our offices are and our warehouse with a million meals, and we were going to serve people. Everything was going great until I got to Miami, and then the plane was canceled, and I couldn't get to Santiago. And, man, if there was tires to kick, I was kicking them. Like, I was mad because I'm going, Lord, I don't, all I'm trying to do is get to Haiti because people are hurting. I don't get this. And so I, I paced. Finally, they put me on a flight to Santa Domingo where I had to overnight. And then I didn't know how I was going to get to Haiti. So I go to Santa Domingo. I mean, the whole time I'm just, I'm grumpy because I had a plan and I was, I, I, I was going that way. Get to Santa Domingo. The only thing we have is this one little airport that has a few planes that might go to Haiti. I get to the airport and I promise you it's about this size and there's 600 people in there. Every news agency from the entire world had converged on this one place trying to get into Haiti. No way we were going to get in. But then I started walking around, and I started meeting people. And I met a lady from NBC News. Gave her my card, didn't think a thing of it. I got on a jet. Crazy story how that happened, but I got on a jet, got over to Haiti. Two days later, I'm on the tarmac at the airport picking up supplies. Who do I meet? That lady. She said, do you still have the meals at your warehouse? I said, yeah, we do. She goes, could I just come out and just shoot, just be footage of your warehouse? Sure, come on out. She comes out. She sees everything. That I believe God spoke to her, but she said it was New York. Um, but <laughs> she, she, she changed her plans, and she said, we got to do a story on this. So she does a, they do a story on us that airs to millions and millions of people that raised a million and a half dollars because of a godly detour. Amen. And I wish, I wish I could say I would have embraced it. <laughs> and be like, thank you, Jesus. Detour. But there's so many times in life that we're running our race and God says, you're going this direction when we thought we were going that direction. And the only way we can embrace that is by our eyes fixed on Jesus. It's why when you hear the letter from Paul, he's in jail. I mean, can you imagine trying to persecute Paul? They got him cuffed in jail. He's in there. He writes a letter. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. I mean, this guy, every time, he's like, oh, he knew the detours. He embraced them. Why? Because his eyes weren't fixed on him. They were fixed on Christ. So today, I just want to challenge you, and I want to ask you a simple question. What hinders you? The one thing I will tell you, I believe with pastor, God's doing something here. God's doing something here. It's our turn. God put us here at this season, and the ball's in our hand. We're on the court. We're not in the great cloud yet. We will be someday, but this is our turn. We've been given dominion over the earth. We're on the win. And, and the question I have is, what hinders you from being full on on the court for Christ? Secondly, what is it that you're running after? Are you running after Jesus? Are you able to persevere? And lastly, are your eyes fixed on him? Are you ready to take that detour for him? I challenge you, 
that today God has greatness for this, this church and this place. And the legacy that he wants to build is biblical. The same that you read in chapter 11, the same that you read in the New Testament, that God is still alive and working today. And he's just saying, focus on me, fix your eyes on me, and run. Don't run aimlessly, don't do the Phoebe, but run for purpose. For a purpose that at the end doesn't get you more stuff, but grows the kingdom of God. And when we do that, we're going to see amazing things. I want to tell you where Mission of Hope's going real quick, and I don't want us to watch a video. But God has blessed us with a vision for 2025. Where we're going is to reach, and, and I say this because of, it's a godly detour. Uh, in 2018, I did not want to uh, deviate from Haiti. And my wife was even stronger at this because we love Haiti. Haiti's where our children were born. Haiti's our home. That's where we love. But Haiti closed. And the Dominican Republic opened, and we kicked and screamed, to be quite honest. We knew we needed to go over there until we got there, and we met Haitian upon Haitian, and there's over 2 million Haitians in the Dominican Republic that don't have a country. They, many of them have never been to Haiti. They're not welcome in the DR, but they were born in the DR. It's this really weird, persecuted spot for the church there. They, they can't really assemble as a church because the immigration might come and snag them and deport them to a place they've never been. So God took us there. And so we started praying, okay, Lord, what do you want for Mission of Hope? And what God clearly showed us is that where Haitian feet go, we go. And when we look at this map right here, and I see the, the Caribbean, our vision is that by 2025, there's 30 countries and territories in the Caribbean that will find a beacon of light, someone that is carrying the gospel forward in every one of those countries, and we'll be able to work with the Haitian population that's there to see that country changed. You see, there was someone that prophesied many years ago that Haiti would become a lighthouse throughout the Caribbean. Today, Haiti's becoming a lighthouse where Haitians have already been sent and scattered, and now they're rising up. And we're starting to send our Haitians, the 400 staff, we're making plans to send them out to these countries to be a part of raising the Caribbean up, to see every person, every man, woman, and child in the Caribbean hearing the gospel. It's awesome. Another thing that we're doing is we're working with, going to work from the 13,000 to 20,000 students in schools, 250,000 children will be fed by 2025. All of those are vision. We're believing for that, though. And all I can tell you is with our staff, both Haiti, Dominican, and the U.S., I challenge them with the same thing. Guys, it's not going to matter what we have. It's going to matter how hard we ran. We get to rest when we get to heaven. But right now, let's fix our eyes on Jesus and let's make sure every person that we come in contact with gets to know the hope that we have, the hope that we found. And I challenge you today, as you go out of here, please ask yourself, what can I do to continue the legacy? I'm on a winning team. If you do these things, I guarantee you, Jesus is already before you. He said it's finished. He's authoring your life. And he's going to continue to finish the work we do for him. We're going to watch a video here, and I just want to say thank you for all you that later are going to pack meals. Right now, uh, I've never seen this in Haiti before, and I've been there almost 45 years. Uh, I've never seen hunger as bad as it is. Uh, it's from inflation. It's from people not being able to get food in. The hunger crisis is real, um, it, and it's growing right now. And there's moms that are simply praying, Lord, feed my child. And so thank you for packing the meals. Thank you for joining us and winning the whole Caribbean for, for Christ. Uh, we're excited about what God's doing, and we're going to continue to pray that God just does an incredible move here. But as you watch this video, please pray for Haiti and pray for the Caribbean.
Thank you. The food crisis in Haiti is a serious reality. Millions of Haitians are currently living in a state of food insecurity with no idea where their next meal may come from. Team Hope is a group of individuals committed to address this crisis. Members of Team Hope commit to giving monthly so that we can partner with schools and churches to provide meals to those in need. From our warehouse in Tita in Haiti, food is distributed all across the country to the most vulnerable. However, Team Hope means more than just a meal. When a child receives a regular meal, it meets a need now and it changes their future. With food in their belly, a child actually has the energy needed to focus on school. When a child is fed, parents don't have to make the decision to pull their kids away from education to work at a young age. When children have food, they are more free to dream of what they could be when they grow up. They can become electricians, doctors, or mechanics. One day, these kids who receive a meal can get married, raise a family, and care for their loved ones. About $10 per month feeds one child for that money and provides the opportunity for so much more. You can be a part of meeting the basic needs for these children and providing hope for their future. When you are part of Team Hope, your impact is more than a meal.